One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello everyone and welcome to The Bubbling Adventure, a podcast all about kids and how positive education and conscious parenting can impact their entire life as well as society. Each week we are having conversations with guests on different themes and our aim is to have open discussions, share different points of view and learn in a non-judgmental way. Today we are talking about what it's like to go back to work after a baby with Tara. From what we call baby brain to imposter syndrome, the pressure, the judgment, and so much more. I have to say, I absolutely love this episode. I find Tara super inspiring, and she also gives a lot of advice that I hope will be very helpful to you. The best way to support this podcast is to subscribe if you haven't already and write a review if you're listening from Apple Podcasts. You can also take a screenshot of the episode and tag us on Instagram at The Bubbling Adventure. And now that it's done, without further ado, let's begin. Hi Tara, how are you today? I'm good, thank you Julie. Thank you so much for being here, it's a pleasure to have you on. So before we dig in, could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Yes, of course. I'm Tara Spence. Um, I've got two children. Um, I've got two daughters, one who is 15 years old, um, and I also have a seven-year-old, so it's a bit of an age gap. Um, I'm also a CEO of a countywide charity um, and a full-time working mum. Wow. Well, you must be very busy then. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's nice. So how, how long have you, have you been with that charity for then? So um, it's a charity called Home Start, so it's a family support charity. Um, and I've worked for Home Start for the last 14 years, so for some time. Um, so actually, probably for almost the life of my eldest daughter. I think she was one when I joined the organisation. So yeah, I've been there a while now. Wow, so does that first birth, like with your first daughter, just uh, um, inspired that choice for you? Or were you already interested in this organization? I'm not sure if it's inspired necessarily. So um, when I had my first daughter, I was working as a regional manager for a care group, for a care home group. Um, and, you know, the hours were really, really, really long. Um, you know, it's 24 seven, you're on call all of the time. Um, it was a bit of a change because prior to having her, we'd, we'd had a family business in, in the care sector as well. Um, but when I had her, you know, there was a bit of reflection. And whilst I've always worked full time, 
um, kind of right from very early after she was born, actually there's a point where you go, I can't be on call all the time. I can't be, you know, doing a, a breastfeed or a bottle in the middle of the night and then getting a call to go into work. That doesn't work. Um, so it was looking at what else was there. Um, and I worked with people with challenging needs and learning disabilities. Um, and there's a point where you realise working with adults that there's actually not so much you can change. You can make life good for them, but you can't change lives. The place that you change lives is with children, with young children, because that's where development happens. Um, and that's if you know you want to see changes, you want to influence life, you need to be working with young people, children and young people. So looking at the job at home start was slightly inspired by my daughter. Um, more about you know the practicalities of having a young having a baby um, at that point but actually wanting that change and wanting to make that difference was why I joined the charity. Well I couldn't agree with you more you know it's <laughs> that's why I think uh, I also created this podcast is because for me education is at the base of everything everything you can think of is you know fed by also education so this is why but so can you yeah tell us a little bit about your transition about becoming a working mom so I you know pre having children um I'd always work full-time um I hadn't ever thought that I would take a step back in fact I think when I was pregnant with with my eldest if I'm perfectly honest I was what, 24 years old and planning was a thing that was in my future but not in my present um so I think I got around the eight month mark and probably thought oh, you know, I haven't thought about any childcare. I haven't thought about what's going to happen. Um, and when people started asking me, you know, how much maternity leave are you going to take? How, you know, are you going to take a year? Um, or are you going to come back part-time? What are you going to do? And, and at that point, if I'm perfectly honest, there's a bit of naivety thinking that I couldn't, that I could, would, might have to consider stepping back or doing something else. Um, and I hadn't considered it. So, you know, at, at the point that I had my daughter in full term, nine months, um, and after I think, I think I went back to work, well, I know I went back to work 18 days after having her, wow. um, you know, which was, if I look back, probably really stupid. Um, <laughs> but it, it was really interesting because I think I was, in my mind, I think I was a lot more grown up. Um, but at 24, I thought I was the most grown up person. I thought I was very mature and had it all together. And I think there was a reality that when I had um, had her, when I gave birth to her, that actually so much changed overnight. Um, everything that I had kind of set up in my life went out the window. There is no planning when it comes to children. It, it's just gone. Um, and suddenly there was a whole range of these emotions that I felt, not good ones, if I'm perfectly honest. You know, looking back, they were really bad. And I felt absolutely out of control. And I'm somebody that would control my life to you know, down to what I eat at what time and, and so on. There is a lot of control in my life. Um, so suddenly having a child absolutely challenged that. It was, you know, for me, a really scary time where I just felt absolutely out of control. And the thing in my life that was controlled was work. It put that control back. So mm -hmm. for my mental health, you know, going back into the workplace felt like the most sensible thing to do. Um, and I, if you know, I remember saying to to my colleagues I think I'm doing really really well I think this is working this is working really well I think you know they talk about baby brain I've not got baby brain I think this is this is okay and I think a few months later they told me I was absolute disaster when I went back I made mistakes and they were covering up behind me and you know <laughs> I thought I was doing really well but actually there was a different reality in it but mentally I think it actually helped me 
I think it's the reality that when you tell people, actually, I went back to, to work 18 days after my baby was born, they look at you like, you know, you're absolutely heartless, mad, crazy, whatever. Um, and I think you have to just do what works for you. And certainly, you know, it's not necessarily something I would recommend to anybody go back to work that soon, you know, but actually, if it suits you, do it. And if it doesn't, don't. I think we all have our way of coping. So it was a bit of a baptism of fire suddenly having, having a young child. Um, and, you know, after I think the first 12 months being in a, a challenging job, a really, really challenging job with pretty horrific hours um, was hard. It was really, really hard um, and being continually on call and having to get up in the middle of the night and run off to work and so on was far from ideal. Um, and so making that transition into a more kind of family focused organisation um, made such a big difference. Um, and, you know, for my daughter, she, she kind of grew up going to school and so on and having childcare and all of those things that, you know, she was in childcare from perfectly honest from kind of a year old um, or younger than a year old to up until she, she went to school. Um, and, you know, I remember other parents saying to me, you know, do, do you not feel kind of guilty about that? Um, do you not feel that, you know, she's too independent? It up, does it not upset you that she doesn't want to hug you and actually what it meant is I had a really independent child that when it was the first day of school and the other children were kind of crying at the school gates and missing their parents my walked off um and just kind of waved and walked away and you mm. know seen now so you know hopefully <laughs> hopefully you know the hard most of the hard times up until that point have gone um but she's still you know she's a very cuddly she's my close very very close child we're you know ridiculously close and you wouldn't if you knew kind of that she'd been in childcare from a very young age you I don't think you'd notice necessarily um you know so and I don't think it's done her any hardships in fact I think you know in terms of her early education if I'm perfectly honest she probably had such a great range of early education being in those settings um you know and the settings were chosen because of you know the ability they had to support her um, it, she got that kind of whole round education um, and she got to see a variety of people because you know I needed family members to help out on occasion so she got you know good relationship with grandparents um, she saw you know aunties and uncles and friends and so on so she had she had great influences in her life um, and you know she was very independent she's admittedly you know always very good with adults because she's had that experience and I think one of the things as certainly teenagers grow up, even if they're not educationally minded, which she's not the most educationally minded, she, she kind of gets her grades, she does what she needs to do. But, you know, she's she's never going to go to Oxbridge because that's not, you know, where she wants to be in life. Um, but actually, you know, from, from my point of view, I'm not concerned because one ability, she, the main ability she has is the ability to talk to anybody, regardless of age. You know, she can she can hold a conversation with any adult she can hold a conversation with her peers. And I think, you know, moving forward, actually, we know that the world is in a bit pretty odd place right now. And actually, if you've got the personality to thrive in that world, that's what's going to move you forward. Yes, and that's like a huge step forward because I remember when I was her age, I couldn't even make a phone call to book an apartment. So I guess, you know, it's a, it's a big, massive step, but... Yeah, I also wanted to to bounce back on what you said. It's a bit like, how can you know before you give birth how you're going to 
react if you're gonna want to go to the office or or if you're you're gonna want to stay at home a bit longer like it it must be hard to actually know what you're going to feel in that moment so it's a bit I think everybody's different and especially if you've been through that I think you would understand so it's a bit yeah you know it's a bit weird to have to to face some remarks about it I guess yeah I think there's you've got to be very very strong I think you know parents face criticism regardless of the decisions they make and that's something we see continually um you know strangers think it's absolutely appropriate to criticize your your parenting choices um friends feel exactly the same and family you know do so more so you've got to be strong in your decision making regardless of what it is um i think you know some of it was a bit of necessity for me as well um my partner the father of my children you know was the low earner in the household so i was the main earner so actually by stepping away and taking that maternity leave would have had a significant impact on you know our household income um and it was certainly when i had my my eldest daughter the paternity maternity you know requirements that all you know policies at that point were really poor they've obviously improved more recently and there's a lot more flexibility and option but there certainly wasn't when you know 15 years ago um so but then when i had my seven-year-old those options became a little bit more available but actually i think at that point you know i'd already done it once um and everything was set up and it, it's it's not so scary the second time so and it was a bit easier i was working for a family-friendly organization um so when i had my seven-year-old no i'm saying seven-year-old and that's really bad she's just turned nine that's awful isn't it um so I missed <laughs> it's normal it's obviously really poor parenting um and i did celebrate <laughs> <her first laughs> a week ago um so my nine-year-old just to be clear she's really short so she looks like she's seven years old um <laughs> And I have been watching videos of her at seven years old. So that's obviously what I've got in my head. Um, so let's say my nine-year-old, my nine-year-old, um, when she was born, I wanted, absolutely wanted to go back to work um, really soon. So that, I, I lasted 20 days. So I've got another couple of days in. Um, and, uh, you know, I eased it in and I was really lucky that, I, you know, for the first few days, for the first few meetings and those kind of that transition back, was able to take with me um i had some very odd experiences certainly going back it was a bit more kind of flexible would have meant that there was some odd occasions so i think she was about four weeks old um and i was invited to um one of the queen's garden parties um as a charity worker which i've been invited some time previous um i hadn't really thought about the fact i would have a, a newborn baby um, and obviously I couldn't take with me. So trying to, to think that I needed to arrange childcare for a four week old um, was challenging. Um, and so, you know, I, I went off to Sandringham um, and to, with, with one of my colleagues, um, all kind of looking very nice, as, as nice as you can four weeks post-pregnant, um, not be, still not being able to fit in any of the dresses that you planned on wearing and suddenly had to go and buy one that was five sizes bigger than what you ever planned. Um, I was starving hungry the, all day because I was breastfeeding. Um, so I was in, you know, what was quite nice, expensive dress. And luckily my, my friend drove. And I think halfway through, it's like, we need to stop at McDonald's because I'm absolutely starving. So she spent the entire journey going, don't you dare drip tomato ketchup on your dress. Don't you dare get this. And I was there with my, you know, massive extra large French fries and, and Big Mac at 11 o'clock in the morning. Um, 
And as we left Sandringham, it was a really, really lovely day, but as we left Sandringham, I kind of realised that, you know, I really needed to express the melt. So we were kind of going through the Royal Palace grounds as I've got an expressing pump on my chest having to do that. So, I mean, there's nothing glorious about being a working parent. There's certainly not. Um, and hiding in cupboards to express milk and, you know, saying to people, do not drink that bottle of milk out the fridge. That is not for your tea. Um, oh, my it's God. Certainly, oh, <laughs> it's nothing glorious. But, you know, needs must, you know, and you find ways around it. And, you know, looking back, it, it's a bit more amusing than it probably was at the time, which was a lack of dignity. And, but you know, after you've given birth, there is no dignity anyway. So, but how get... yeah I mean that's a lot of change as well to adapt and and so I guess that was your second pregnancy so at least you know how to expect but that's what actually what I was thinking about when you're saying that you put on a dress to go to that even I was like but what about the milk like it comes out you know so yeah it's like it's so natural but I guess it's also very taboo and a lot of people are like oh no oh my god but uh, this is the main purpose of boobs by the way it's to have the milk <laughs> a lot of people seem to forget but uh, but yeah so how for example did you have any weird reactions from your colleagues or whatever when you were um, like extracting the milk from the workplace or the with my youngest no not so much because you know I've we work in a really family-friendly environment. We work with families on a daily mm. basis. It's not unusual um, to be in, in that situation. But when I had my first daughter, it, it was a little bit different. Um, and when I, I remember being called, so when you work in care, it's a bit like working in a school in that you get kind of a, the equivalent of an Ofsted check um, and it's unannounced and you can't plan for it. And it just, it's always at the wrong time. So I think my my eldest had been about 13 days old and I got the call you know the inspector say you need to come in you're still the registered manager you need to come in and, and deal with this I was like oh this is not not needed so anyway bundled her into to car seat um and, and went off to the home and did this kind of inspection which usually would have lasted two days um and at the end of coming towards you know three o'clock ish on on the first day I sat down with the inspector um, and I remember just having kind of a bluish shirt on because that's what I could get over my, you know, <laughs> chest at that point. And um, usually, you know, you'd have this kind of long interview and it lasted all of about five minutes. And he just said, I'm done. And I just said, well, you, I've been done these, you know, many times. They're, they're usually about two hours. You know, are you sure you're done? He's like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm really done. And was just desperate to get out. Anyway, he left and I looked down and obviously I just leaked. And my entire kind of front of my shirt was soaking wet. Um, so obviously that did me a great favour because it meant I didn't have to do two hours of the most boring conversation. Um, but I think that poor guy was probably traumatised for life. Um, and we'll never I mean, that's again. a bit <laughs> immature. No, I don't know. <laughs> like you, you, can... <laughs> you could I mean, have you just said, oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, well, you know, some people just don't know how to deal with with anything. But anyway, that's uh, that's I, I think now it's funny for sure. But on the moment, it must have been a bit awkward as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, you know, there's a big difference. I was 24, 25 at that point, so everything was embarrassing. Everything was hard, and now, you know, I'm gonna, I'm 40. 
um and I can look back and and I have you know more kind of parental confidence if I'm honest I don't care <laughs> you know when you're 24 25 you care about everything you, you know you want to you want to get it right and I think one of the things you learn with experience is you don't get it right um and there's nothing wrong when you get it wrong because everybody does it and you just have to admit to it um and just own it really um, and I think, you know, we see it a bit more now, don't we, with kind of parent bloggers who are happy and, you know, promote that actually it's not all rosy. It's pretty difficult. And it is. Um, and mm -hmm. I think there's a bit more honesty around parenting now. Um, but at that point, there certainly wasn't. Everything looked rosy for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I do think we really, really need to talk about it. And this is also why, why we're here is because even so for people like me, I'm not a mom yet, but the day I am, I want to know what it's going to be like, because everybody's saying, oh, it was the best of my life. Okay, maybe, but it's not helpful. I want to know more because it's like, okay, there's the, the, the birthday, you know, but then there's also life after and how you have to deal with all those situations. So speaking of mom shaming, how do you deal then with that? How do you, because I guess you, you just, get stronger and you know more you sort of like are affirming yourself as a mother as you go but how do you deal with that in the beginning I think you, you have to just be honest I cry I cry a lot you know let's be honest when you've had a baby you're full of emotions full of hormones you want to spend your time crying a lot of the time anyway um not everyone finds it easy I certainly didn't um, so, you know, there was a lot of crying into, you know, your, your baby blanket, ultimately, and feeling guilty. You know, being a parent is just guilt. It's just guilt anyway. Um, and I, it was interesting because I said to my, my youngest daughter before I, I spoke to you, Julie, I just said to her, you know, look, Ellis, I'm, I'm talking to somebody later about, you know, being a parent. And I just wondered what you thought about me being a parent that works full time because I know that all not all your friends you know work they have parents that work full time so what's good about it and what's bad about it and she said well you have enough money to buy me clay because she loves these kind of clay kits she says but on the other hand you just don't care about me oh, <laughs> and I said, oh. what do you mean about that what do you mean I don't care about you and she said no what I mean is you'd kind of just don't care for me and so I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, you can't always, you know, be there. You can't always kind of come to things or you can't always, um, you know, obviously we've just been home homeschooling because of, of the pandemic. She said, so, you know, if I got stuck on my math and you were on a call, I would just have to say, Ellis, you know, I'll come to you in 10 minutes. I'm on a call or I just have to write her a note saying, Google it. <laughs> um, you know, so she said other parents would help more. And I said, but, you know, with your learning, if I wasn't there to give you the answer, would you find it on Google yourself or would you find it yourself? And she said, yes. So I said, well, that, that's good, isn't it? Um, and actually, I can't do everything for you. And you're very lucky because you do get a lot done for you anyway, because you're the youngest child and you seem to get spoiled. Um, <laughs> but I think, you know, in terms of guilt, you get guilt from parents, you'll get guilt from your kids and you'll give yourself as much guilt it's just come to terms with the fact that you're going to be guilty and you're just going to feel rubbish about it a lot of the mm. time but actually uh, all you've got to do is just get through and there's a reality that you know you want your children to be happy and it really doesn't matter the rest of it 
yeah there's, there's nothing else that you need to worry about obviously keep them a bit healthy give them a few bits of green veg and mm-hmm. you know a, some fruit and all of the things that you should do but you know you're not going to be suddenly struck down if you give them a frozen chip or you know you you order out for pizza that is just life you know and we all need and and children need to understand when we're struggling as well we cannot paint a rosy picture for them because we're not we shouldn't be doing it to each other as adults we shouldn't certainly do it to children hmm i couldn't agree more no for sure and i'm, I'm glad if it opened the conversation with your with your kid as well Uh, but you also mentioned that you you dealt with imposter syndrome. So that's also another type of, of guilt, I guess, that's very complex. So if you can please just share your experience so we understand a bit more, because we always hear about it, but I don't, I'm not sure everybody knows exactly what it can look like. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, it was really interesting because actually I didn't have imposter syndrome going back to work with, with my two children. That's when most people get it. That's when you start to feel like you're not good enough. Why am I here? Um, I don't feel justified to be here. Other people are doing this better. Other people are able to commit more. You know, there's other people within the organisation that can work those late nights. They don't just clock out at five or whatever because they've got to pick up a child. I didn't have any of that because actually I was probably, I was, I'm saying probably, but I was the person that would be there at nine o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night. Um, I would come home, I would work. I've done contracts and tenders sitting beside a swimming pool, you know, taking children swimming and sitting there with my laptop where other parents would talk to each other and gossip about whatever they were gossiping about. Um, And I'm the person kind of sitting huddled in a corner doing work or on my phone, you know, or taking a call. I didn't ever take a call during a school play, but I was tempted to take calls during school plays. Um, But where I found totally, you know, feeling that imposter syndrome and the worries around that. When my youngest child, um, who is now nine, um, was coming up just under five years old, um, my relationship broke down with their dad. So I was married and it was a bit of a change overnight because all of a sudden I didn't have somebody else within the household to pick up, you know, that childcare responsibility. Things got very, very formal try to formalise things for the children um, so that they knew when when they had us, when we had them and so on. Um, but I just didn't have that availability of, of kind of childcare there and then. So that ability to suddenly work till 10 o'clock at night. Um, and I think, you know, emotionally, I wasn't in a wonderful place at all. Um, so, you know, working those hours and, and running myself down was an even worse idea. So all of a sudden I'd gone from somebody that could work if I wanted to 12, 14 hour days, um, absolutely always be on it, um, you know, be there at weekends, be there in the evenings, be working until whatever time of night. Um, and suddenly I had two children that were experiencing a relationship breakdown and a divorce alongside me. Um, there was, you know, a massive change in, in financial circumstances within the household that they were kind of coming to terms with as well. Um, and I didn't have the ability to work those hours. So I remember going in and just, you know, there were things happening. There's always things when you work in, in the nonprofit sector, you know, normal working hours don't exist. Mm. If someone needs to speak to you at such and such time you do it if a funder 
calls you and says, can you come to this? You go to that. There's always fundraising events or, or whatever. And all of those things that everyone's working, everyone works their normal hours and then they almost vol they volunteer on top of that. So there's that kind of expectation that happens for so long. And all of a sudden I couldn't do that. And that made me really reflect. I remember sitting down with, with my deputy um, and there were, I mean, up until then, there was very few times I kind of ever showed emotion within the office. And I sat down and just cried and I said, I can't do this. I feel so bad. I feel so bad that I'm letting you all down. I'm giving you more work. You have to spread it between you. Um, and I just can't do it. I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do it to the girls. Um, and if I'm honest, it's probably one of the times that I really prioritised the children and I hadn't done that as much as I should have done previously. Um, and, you know, and she was brilliant. She was absolutely brilliant because, you know, she just totally reassured me and said, you know, you've done it. You've done you've done your time, really. Um, and we're in a really great place. And if you can't do it, you can't do it. And if you need me to pick up, my children are now older. And when I joined this organisation, my children were younger and you were really flexible with me. And now my children are older and they're, you know, not at home off to university and so on. I'll pick up the stuff that you feel you can't do. So she was absolutely wonderful and it was just what was needed. Um, but after that, I felt really guilty. And that guilt feeling really affects your confidence. It affected me in terms of reporting to our board. Um, it affected me in terms of speaking to other chief executives. Um, you know, and I continually, you know, feel guilty that that ongoing guilt that you know they say oh you know should we should we book a meeting at five o'clock and I go oh can we make it three <laughs> you know or can we make it this or can we make it this um mm -hmm. and then that continual worry that you need to just forget your children almost and just concentrate on work as much as you can but you can't um and so it may it makes you feel like you're just not good enough at all um but then there becomes a point where you have to reflect and either you own it or and you do something about it or you just feel rubbish about it. And I think what we did was own it. And as an organisation, we totally owned it. Um, and I do get that I'm in a privileged position in that if I need to make a policy change within the organisation, I can, um, you know, with the support of a few other people. So we started to look at this and, and say, actually, are we just doing the wrong thing? Because we're promoting ourselves as a family-friendly organisation. But if the person then has got children is feeling so awful about the fact that they can't do what they do, then we can't be that family-friendly. So mm. we really, really pushed out and said, you know, if people need flexibility, that is it. And whenever anybody's employed, whenever we do kind of our supervision, our support sessions with our staff, we always say children come first. You know, your children come first, you go to, we don't want anyone to ever miss out on a school play on a working together afternoon on you know a doctor's appointment you would never you cancel whatever you can and someone else will always cover you um and we really try to make sure that people stick to their hours um and i have got some staff that dip out and, and i can see them working at you know nine o'clock at night and generally we'll just send them a little message and go go to bed or go and see your kids or do this or, or you know there is no need for you to be working at nine o'clock at night unless you really genuinely want to um, don't do it because there's no expectation on you to do so so mm. we've kind of not made it you know wrong to work outside of hours but we certainly don't want people promoting it um, because it's that work-life balance and I think you know with the pandemic and people working at home that's been even more important people just dip into things it's very easy now isn't it to just pop to your computer because it's only 
in the other room, check your email regardless of the time. And then by the time you've checked your email and you've sat down, you realise that you've suddenly been there an hour and you're doing something. So finding that balance has, has been really important. So I think in terms of the imposter syndrome, it is a real thing. It makes you feel absolutely dreadful. You know, I think up until that point, I'd gone on this high where I was very confident about what I was doing. Um, I was very happy speaking to a wide range of people about the role what we did as an organisation. And then overnight, just feeling like I was the stupidest person in the room and I had no right to be there. Mm, but also, yeah, because you've been used and trained to just do that for years and years. And I guess it's the same when you see in offices where, you know, staying late is being the best. And then you see some people who don't do anything like all day and then start working at like five or whatever. And you're like, this is all just to look like you're working or feel like you're working so I guess it's hard to undo yourself from that situation from because it's like if I understand correctly it's also attacking your personal values like your belief about yourself about your life and I guess also about you know being a legacy if you don't work that much I mean this is what I interpret so correct me if I'm wrong but it's a massive absolutely change that. yeah absolutely that and you know I've had an, an upbringing where I've continually been pushed and pushed and pushed and told you know that I need to be better than the best um you know and I know that for me growing up um and Julie before you know we started recording we were talking about things around diversity and so on and actually one of the challenging things I found growing up because where I live is quite a rural area um, and it doesn't have a great deal of diversity and it certainly didn't when I was growing up in this area so one of the things that I found was kind of continually being on the back foot continually having to push myself continually being in positions where I had to almost justify my being so that's kind of driven that need for me to to be on top of everything um, and to be the person that's always there um, and to push myself harder and harder. So to a point really where it becomes quite destructive and, and there's a reflection on that a little bit, you know, I, if I look back to where I was five years ago, there was not one night where I didn't get into bed and fall straight asleep because I was absolutely physically and mentally destroyed. And I, you know, it's not that I backed off and said actually I'm going to concentrate in everything on my work life and my home life was going to suffer I tried to do absolutely everything absolutely everything so my house was you know always clean I would always hoover three times a day um you know every work surface was clean the bathrooms were clean daily probably my husband would now complain that I do this too much again but um you know so it, it was everything was done I tried to make sure the girls were eating the right food um that they had the you know ironed clothes and, and whatever so you know I would absolutely be killing myself trying to get perfection across all areas and now actually there's a reality that when you realize that it can't you can't sustain that and that cannot be maintained forever and when you realize that you have to start dropping some things and making that balance fit a bit more um and I think now actually there's a reality that I think everything works better when you're not doing everything as well Yes. And again, like as you mentioned earlier, that's also a great example for the kids to be like, okay, this is hard, but 
this is also part of life and it's fine and you don't have to be perfect and it's fine if you just take some time to figure it out and if you're struggling for, for a while and then you find a solution and yeah it's I think it can take some time and a lot of energy as well because then sometimes also just uh, like not enjoying this like transition takes a lot of of energy and then you you take maybe also a bit longer to get out of there so uh, but yeah with kids it's a whole you know other story but how are you feeling now like as a mother as a working mom in general how are you feeling like these days I think you know I've got to be honest my children are older so it's easier anyway you know having a 15 year old who is a very helpful 15 year old and picks up on things within with around the house and well to a degree picks up on some things around the house when she's feeling in the mood to do so um and there's a point where you can leave them to kind of get on with themselves it gives you a little bit more independence i think you know i've, I've been in a very different position for the last five years i met my husband um almost four years ago um and we managed to do a, an in-between lockdown wedding um last year you know quick oh, wow. congratulations <laughs> yeah no, not the wedding that was ever planned, but the wedding that did happen. Um, and I think there's a, a reality that, you know, when your relationship changes or your life changes significantly, you have to work out what you need and you have to work out what works and you have to listen to other people around you. Um, and so, you know, I, I'm in a, a very different place where I can't try and control everything within my life because that wouldn't be right for the people around me and it isn't right for me so I think not you know I'm not going to say that everything's perfect nothing is ever perfect as a parent you muddle along and I'm still muddling along and I still have days where I think oh I don't know how to deal with this um you know there's always kind of a changing thing and there's always a, an emotion that you can't plan for um you know whether it, it's kind of mine or or a child's um, but I think that the reality that actually not having the control means you don't set up these unrealistic expectations for yourself um, so that when something goes horribly wrong, it is just something going horribly wrong, you know, and I think people are more accepting now, you know, we've just done, oh, what I can't even think how many weeks of homeschooling we've done um, over the last year. I don't want to think about it, to be perfectly honest, because I might cry. Um, but it's done and hopefully it's done for some time or if not good. Um, mm. But there is a, a reality now that, you know, if your child comes to you on a call that you, you just kind of go, okay, that's fine. Um, we can, or there's an emergency or, or whatever is happening that you step away. Um, and, you know, as I was saying to one of my colleagues, you know, you don't, if, if you feel, feel a little, little bit guilty about the fact that you can't make your nine o'clock meeting or, or there's you know you need to sort your children out and you need to do a bit of, of kind of maths before you get to a meeting in the morning just book it book something in your diary just book something that looks professional in your diary and no one knows anyway um and I think if you you know if that makes you feel better about it then then it works um but you know absolutely I think like I said there's a reality now that means that we're not controlling I'm not controlling things um that's things go a little bit more with the flow there are things that need to happen um and you know when you're a working parent routine is key um and so you know we have certain routines that in this household we stick to 
and everything else is fair game. So as long as people get up at the right time, um, as long as they eat their breakfast, um, which is always an argument because, you know, someone wants something different. Um, and as long as, you know, bath time happens at the same time and bedtime happens around-ish the same time, then anything else is good. Mm, yeah, I guess you have to, yeah, choose your battles and know, recognize where the priority is so that, yeah, everybody is aware of what are the priorities and the schedule. So I guess, yeah, it's like a teamwork uh, as a family. And is there any last advice that you would like to share? So just just find out what works for you and, and don't over plan things. You know, I think when you first have your children, when you first have your babies, you spend, you know, from the time that you find out you're pregnant to the time that you have them planning absolutely every part of their life and your life. And then when it doesn't happen or it goes wrong or you don't have the birth you expect or, you know, they cry and are sick for the first however many months, years, whatever, that you've done something really wrong. And the reality is that, you know, you can't plan for those things. You don't know how you're going to feel. You don't know what your baby's going to be like. So you do what works for you. Um, and nothing is set in stone except the fact that the baby is going to come out that is generally set in stone um but <laughs> other than that you know you just do what works for you and don't be shamed into trying to do something that works for other people and if you try something and it goes wrong just just you know suck it up get on the next thing mm -hmm. um and you know the reality is that they they get older they survive fine And when they're older, the bonus is that you can turn the Wi-Fi off because that sorts any problem out. Yeah, yeah, no, fair enough. But I really, I really like that. I think it's uh, it's super important. And and I guess, yeah, there's a lot of judgment, as you mentioned in the beginning. You know, people feel free to just say whatever they think, but they don't have the full picture again. They're just judging that small part without knowing you, your family, what you're going through. So I guess that's, uh, that's very important for people in general to maybe also notice when they might behave like that. And also for parents to be like, okay, not my problem. I'm doing my thing. I'm just doing my best, which is already amazing. So yeah, I really, I really like everything that you shared. So thank you so much for speaking about your family and what works for you. And uh, yeah, it was a pleasure to have you on. So thank you so much, Tara. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Feel free to share if you think it might be helpful to someone you know. If you enjoyed this episode, then please make sure to write a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and subscribe if you haven't already. That's it for me. See you soon with the next episode. And in the meantime, have a lovely day. 
for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.